Are you open to some coaching? <laughs> Before we start, I said, whatever you're doing, she's going to psychoanalyze See, me. And I she's can't mental take notes going said, on right she now. She said she can turn it off. And I said, I know you can't turn this off. Just kidding. But is that wrong to be? Is it it's problematic? Just, oh, I'm Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And Karen, as usual, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Mane and Tail, Karen. Only the best. Only the best. We love Mane and Tail. You know, we always talk about all the different horse products that Mane and Tail puts out, but you know what? They do have a full line of beauty products for you and me, Karen. They sure do. So, do you have a favorite product that you'd like to use for Mane and Tail? I think I would have to say it's the hair strengthener. The hair strengthener. I've yeah. definitely seen that on your beauty counter. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I love using it. I, I I tell you what, it, it really has strengthened my hair. I have less uh, split ends. And it's actually, I, I get a little thin in certain areas, and it's actually been growing. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, your hair, but I know you've always had... I've always, I know you've always complained about, you know, your your hair being a little thin and you're always picking at your splints and all that stuff. So, and I see you using this and I do see an improvement. So let's hear all about it, Karen. So it is a daily protective and fortifying leave-in treatment for stronger, healthier hair. Uh, it nourishes and repairs. It provides essential protection to help prevent split ends. Protects hair strands from heat and chemical styling, which I do a lot. I do a lot of that. <laughs> Provides additional moisturizing and conditioning protection. It is alcohol-free, and it's safe and gentle for all hair types. That's wonderful. So, like I say, I know you've been using it, and you love it. And we asked the folks over at hey, can we talk about the, the, the beauty products? Because they are so fantastic. So, uh, because the audience, the horses aren't listening, Karen. <laughs> no, they're not. You know what I mean? It's the people. So... Uh, I use the products, you use the products, so we're going to start, you know, mixing in some some of the beauty products mm-hmm. in, uh, along with uh, the horse care line. So uh, check it out at maneandtail.com if you want to learn more about the products. And uh, we just got to say thanks again to Mane and Tail for all their support over the years. Triple Crown Feed. Oh, man. yeah. Triple Crown, big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of, of great products out there. Mm-hmm. Premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. Triplecrownfeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. It is. Triplecrownfeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have a great feed comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. And give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. Cooler weather is just around the corner, so don't let your horse get caught in the cold. Yeah, a turtleneck has your horse's clothing needs covered, Karen. They sure do. Don't let your horse get caught out in the cold on that first cold night of the season. Now is the time to shop and purchase your fall and winter blankets, Karen. So how do people learn more? So for sizing and temperature guidelines, you can go to turtleneck.biz. 
Trish Scott's got us covered and she can cover you. Trish is on with us to talk about equine mortality and medical coverages, which there's a lot of changes, Trish. So tell us what's going on in the industry right now and how can you help people? Yeah, there are a lot of changes going on in the equine mortality medical coverage right now. And I just wanted to put the word out there that we don't have to be afraid. Changes are coming, but right now the biggest one is Great American is not offering any medical coverage to any renewals or new business. But, and the thing is with our ventures, they're the, one of the top three rated horses for, um, you know, for mortality. So it's a very unique breed of animal, very unique training. So we need to make sure that your policy is covered. Um, I have access to some of the top rated carriers right now. They are all offering full mortality, medical, surgical, any coverage is needed for our ventures. Don't worry about it. Just give me a call and be more than happy to walk through your current policy and make sure that your renewal is covering your horse. Not a problem. Just give me a call. I'm always available. 484-319-8923. I am loving my new Monaco wedges by Fairfax and Favor. Yes, I saw them on your Tootsies the other day. They are very, very cute. And not only cute, but they're also very comfortable. Yeah, so they have a couple of really cool details, as all Fairfax and Favor shoes have, Ken. So what are some of the cute little details you'll find on these shoes? So mine is the navy blue suede, and they have a navy blue tassel on the heel in the very back. And they also have the Fairfax and Favor shield, their logo, embossed in the front. Yeah, very, very well done. Very tasteful but they definitely stand out. They're set apart from other wedges out there. They sure are. The tassel is a signature of Fairfax and Favor. So that and the shield. So it's very cool that they incorporate them. And are they comfortable? How do they feel? Very comfortable. I could wear them all day. That's fantastic. And that's important for you. So how do people find out more? They can go to fairfaxandfavor.com. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen. Super excited about today's movie. Yeah. I know. I always say that. And I and I truly do mean it all the time. But you know me. I love when I get to talk to a professional person in the in the, in, in the mindset game, the personal yeah. performance game. So today, um, we we have a special guest on. Uh, Natalie Hummel is a transformational life coach, Karen. So Natalie, welcome, welcome. to the show. Hi, thank you so much, guys. I'm also very excited. Yeah, super. So Natalie's on the podcast circuit, Karen. She she actually, I just um, got to listen to her on Instride. With, yeah, with Sinead. With Sinead. Yeah. So it was very, very cool. And um, we were like, look, we got to get Natalie on. So <laughs> we want to cover some different stuff. That was a very, very good interview, but definitely a little bit different perspective than what we want to go down. And um, so Natalie, we just we just can't thank you enough for being with us. Honestly, it's such a pleasure. I'm really grateful to be here and talk about, you know, the sport I love and the performance side of it, the mindset side of it. So, yeah, it's a, I'm grateful. Thank you. She, a transformational life coach, Karen. So we'll we'll learn a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. So let's we'll we'll take this baby steps. We always got to find. <laughs> we always got to start with build our way up to that. Build our way up to it. I, I need to know what a transformational life coach is. I did hear that other interview, so people can go back and listen to that, and they'll get into a little bit more different topics than we're going to. So if there's any, if people say, Oh geez, we need more information, go back there. It's probably answered there. But, um, so we always like to know just where are you coming to us from before we get started? I'm in Costa Rica. I'm in our house in Costa Rica. Yeah. Literally outside my window is the beach. And it's, yeah, it's my favorite place. It's amazing. I love it here. Costa Rica, Karen. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. Let's go. Let's go to Costa Rica. <laughs> we got a cruise coming up in three months, and it's like, yeah, the Costa Rica's not too far. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> Short flight. so yes for sure i think i would like to settle in costa rica karen that's fantastic do you you said you have a place there like do you work out of costa rica yeah i see all my clients you know via zoom and so i can be anywhere as long as the time zones somewhat match um yeah and i actually have some clients in costa rica too i started coaching a couple surfers here um which has been really really fun to break into it's a different side of things, a sport that, you know, I'm trying to get really good at, but haven't mastered yet. Wow. Oh. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Karen. that's really cool. That, is really, that cool. is really cool. So, okay. So, Natalie, can you take us back and t- tell us about your life with horses? Because you were a rider and then all the way up mm-hmm. until today. Life was life with horses in hindsight was was really beautiful. During it, I would say it was really painful. (laughs) Um, I suffered with a lot of what I helped my clients get past, but I didn't have me for me back then. Um, I suffered from just this crippling amount of unworthiness. I didn't feel good enough to be doing it in it. I didn't feel like I had enough money, enough time, you know, crippled by the not enough story. Um, but in hindsight, it was really beautiful. I mean, I always loved the animals and I always loved the coaching aspect. I I really loved coaching other students and helping them. And I love training aspect of it. Like I loved being with the horses and figuring out problems and things, but, um, the, the competition part of it really was hard for me. <laughs> um, I, again, I suffered from all the things that I help my clients get over now. And then I I decided to move on from horses. Not really a choice that that I made so consciously. It wasn't like today's the day. I'm not going to do it. It kind of the choice really happened for me, and I just went with it. Um, and I didn't think this is forever. I thought this is for right now. I'm not going to do this for right now. And I went and I went to school and loved that and got really invested into that. I'm, um. I really loved the research part of what I did in psychology. And uh, and then that took me on a whole different direction of, of traveling and teaching and doing all that, that sort of thing. And then inevitably, I, I landed with coaching. Um, and that's what I'm doing now, wow. present day. So that's very high level. Mm-hmm. So I, very I, high level. You, go much, you go much more in depth with uh, a Sinead. And, um, so there's a lot to hear over there, yes. but and so everyone, please just go ahead and check out the Instripe podcast with Sinead. Cause we go much deeper, but we want to get <clears throat> a little bit more into stuff that can help riders today. Yeah. Right. Karen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we got the coach on, you know, we don't want to rehash another interview that was already there, but the, so is that okay? If we kind of talk about some real tangible stuff that riders can, can use and stuff. So can you explain, uh, b- before we get into ex- actual like tangible stuff, like, you are a transformational life coach. So does that parallel performance coaching for all athletes or can, can you explain what, what, what you do and, or what multiple things do you do? And that way people know where we're coming from. So we know that you used to ride, you try the competitive thing at some point, you made a decision that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get into coaching so could you just take us there so people have a little bit of perspective where you're at, what you do, and then we'll get into some 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 questions I have. 
Well, I, to be honest, I didn't even know coaching was an option. I was going to get my clinical PhD in, in psychology and I was already enrolled in school. And, um, and then my professor was like, couldn't you help people now? Like, he was like, I just really feel like you don't need to be in, in school for another six years and then do residency. And he's like, I really think you could help people right now. And the curriculum, to be honest, in psychology, clinical doesn't address to the extent that I address things now. It's very clinical. It's very um, <clears throat> symptom diagnose, diagnosis. And there's just a whole spectrum of things that you miss when you look from that spectrum. And I was really interested in meeting people where they are and where you, what's helpful is to meet them and look at things from the nervous system perspective. That's the first thing that you have to look at because that is automatic. It's the autonomic nervous system. And that's picking up either cues of danger or cues of safety. And it will completely dictate your life if you're picking up more cues of danger than you are safety, because it'll either switch you into protection or connection. And so really befriending and knowing how to work with your nervous system is incredibly impactful because it impacts your mood. It, it impacts your thoughts, your hormones, literally it controls everything. It's the first, it's the first thing. So I, I really look at, um, things from the nervous system perspective. And then from there, I look at, okay, what story did your brain make up to make sense of what's happening in you physiologically, what's happening for in your nervous system, your brain's going to make up a story to fit that. And so that story can really dictate how you show up in life and how we live as humans is we like to be right and we like to confirm what we know. So then the brain starts working for that story. And before you know it, you have a whole book of evidence to confirm this story that could be true or not true. Um, it could be helpful or not helpful. And so I really want to look at that. So the nervous system, the mindset and the emotional body of what's happening in your world today. Because if we don't go back and look at the past, we can really predict your future. It'll look exactly like the past. Um, and the way we're designed is there's we have to look at the past if we want to create a different future. So I got really good at that. How do we how do we restory and befriend our nervous system? Wow. And do you work with just athletes or do you work with athletes and the regular workaround person? It's, it's going to just athletes, but I have, I have other clients, but the one thread is really, they're trying to achieve something great. Um, they're, they're really getting stuck with these upper limits and, um, they're really getting stuck somewhere, but they want something bigger than what they have. Um, but I, I've also in the past worked with all types. I just tend to like people that have a built-in goal because the the work is hard. Like inner work isn't comfortable or you would, or we would be doing it, right? It's pretty uncomfortable to do. Um, and so you have to have this North star that's, that's guiding you through it. So athletes have that North star, you know, they want to be great. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is awesome. <laughs> I got chills. And, and that sounds great. You know, what's funny is I, um, well, let me just start with a, a question. Cause I, sometimes I think that 
do you ever find that people are sometimes so inside their head they just can't get out of their head and move forward? Like, do you ever feel like sometimes people are just stuck with being stuck? One million percent. And it, and you're proving my point of why I didn't want to go down the, the clinical psychology route. They really focus on cognitive behavioral therapy. And there's different branches of that. But basically, they're trying to solve the problem of the mind with the mind. It doesn't work. You need to get outside of the mind. And really what's causing the story of the mind is the nervous system. So we got to look at that. And if you're not addressing the nervous system, you're going to stay the same. You will, you might change in very small amounts, but if you're not addressing the nervous system, you're basically going to stay exactly where you are because we don't operate from our conscious mind. We operate from our conscious mind like 5% of the time. So the subconscious and the the nervous system that goes with that is what we operate from, is what we're producing results from. So unless you're addressing that, you're really just getting stuck in the mind. Exactly what you said. You're just getting stuck in this in the same place that created the problem that you're stuck in. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. See. Okay. Because I see that a lot. I see some people are like sometimes it just seems like they're just stuck, like they're perpetually trying to find an answer. Right. But, you know, and then there's the other type of people that just say, well, here's the problem. And then just, I'm going to move on. Like your are Boyd Martins of the world who yeah, have this huge tragedy and they just, just truck on. And, you know, I don't know if maybe someday down the road, he's going to all of a sudden frazzle. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. That's kind of the way I try to be. I try to be more, uh, here's my problem. Just tackle it and move on to the next and not dwell in the sorrow. Like there's no fun in, in that, but or not trying to overanalyze why I feel the way I do. Just know that I do. And I'm not going to be happy if I can't let go of whatever has got me bummed or unhappy or whatever. So Boyd has a remarkable ability to embrace it all. And, and I've heard him talk about it before. And he said he's, he embraced, he moved forward because he didn't have another choice, but looking from my perspective and what I see from Boyd, And what I really coach my clients around, and it's the ticket to life, is embracing it all. He's not afraid to fail. He says it. He's not afraid to get hurt. He's not afraid to fail. And when you're not afraid to fail, then you widen your box of what you're willing to do. When you're scared of failing, then you're not going to be brave. You're not going to be courageous. You're not, you're not, you have a very small spectrum of what you can expect. When you're not afraid to fail, you're wide open. You're brave, you're courageous, you're moving forward, you're taking feedback, you're not making things personal. And Boyd has mastered that. Boyd is a master of owning failures and moving past them and embracing it all. Is that something you can teach or someone can learn? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the it's the ticket. It's the ticket to creating a life whether you're an athlete or a person or wherever you are in life, wherever you fall on that spectrum, you know, the the human psychology likes mastery. We want to be masters of something. We all love greatness. That's why we're obsessed with athletes, with celebrities. We love this greatness and um, our human psychology really craves it. And we're not going to get greatness unless we embrace the opposite Gotcha. Hmm, Very cool. That makes sense. Okay. So I I wanted to, this was a question I kind of wanted to, I I sprung on you just before the beginning of the show. Um, And hopefully we can start here. You were a writer and then you you basically kind of give the high view of, you know, the problems you have with writing. So there's a lot of young people in the world and they're working very hard or even adults that are in the sport. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
we, we ask people every week on the show, you know, what's your advice? And a, a lot of times it all comes back to working hard and sticking with it and, and just, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep going and it'll, it'll all work out. And as a person who did it at a high level, uh, you know, it sounds like you kind of, you had aspirations, you worked for all the best people, you were coaching people, you were doing it full time. How <clears throat> for that young person or just that person who's in it, they could be 40 years old and they, they, they're thinking if, if I was to give this up today, I'd be a failure. Like, is that, you know, and there's probably a lot of people that keep up with it just for the fear of not failing, you know, they're, they're, they're high level people. And what's the difference between failing and just saying, you know what, I'm just not happy in this life and it's okay to move on. Um, is that an, okay, is that a question that's, is that, a, is that even a smart question? I don't even know, but take it away. It's a brilliant question and we could spend a lot of time here. And I think a lot of people suffer with this, not even just in this sport and in a lot of sports, because what happens is we spend, you know, take me, for instance, I've been doing this sport since I was 10, you know, and I was pretty good at it when I started, right? When I started, everyone was like, wow, look at you. And I got a lot of positive affirmation. I got a lot of positive feedback when I was younger. And I got a lot of positive affirmations like you work so hard, you're so dedicated. And, you know, by the time I was 24, think about the life events I quote unquote gave up, you know, to, to be this, to be here, to be trying to do this. And as humans, we're really risk averse. We're thinking, well, this is what I know, you know, this is what I know. And this is what's familiar. And I'm going to keep going because this is what I know. Um, but we have to really have and start develop developing a relationship with our, with our true self, not the self that gets its worth and validation from, from praise and approval and validation. We really have to tune inside and we're not used to doing this. We have a very deep relationship with the other psyche, the ego, and we really operate and work from that. But if we only operate and work from that, we're going to be quite miserable. And once you start developing a relationship with the deeper, truer part of you, you start you start understanding your values. You start understanding what's important to you and you align your life with your values and you live from alignment. You start to realize that what's, what's good for you, what feels good is good. Like life is really intelligently designed. And, and speaking from my own perspective, um, that wasn't my calling. That wasn't my calling. And to be honest, it took a certain amount of bravery to say that because it did really feel like a failure. It did feel like, wow, I really failed at this. And I did. I mean, point blank, I did. I failed at, at horses. I never competed at the level that I wanted to. I never won a major event, a major FEI event. You know, I never really, I did fail. Um, and that's okay. That's okay because that failure led me to something way more beautiful than I could ever imagine possible. And so it's really a matter for people that are in that position wondering, gosh, is, is this really right for me? It's not a question of adding up your failures and saying, you know, okay, I failed this many times. It's time for me to call. It's a matter of tuning inward to your, to your true self and seeing, is this really aligned with my values? Is this really bringing me, um, what I want from life. And if you can answer that on that question, honestly, 
then you'll be okay with being a failure. Wow. Mm. So that's so funny that you're like, yeah, I failed. Like, I don't know. I was not expecting you to like say, yeah, that was failure. You know, I don't know. That's surprising. It absolutely was. <laughs> wow. So the, I guess everyone's different on how they would know if they, if it's time to move, move on, I guess. Yeah. And we can break that down a little bit more. I think there's always this, and I think sometimes it's helpful if you have someone reflecting back to you, you know, like a coach or a therapist or someone you really trust could be really helpful in this decision, right? Because when you're so in it and then speaking from the nervous system perspective, in the subconscious, you know, it's really hard to step outside of what you've known and what you've invested so much into. It's really hard to step outside of that. But there is, there is a knowing. You've always known. You've always known. And that's why I say like a coach or a therapist can help you because you can regulate your nervous system and you can get closer to truth that way. When you're working from dysregulation, it's going to be really hard to make a choice from that deeper, truer part of you. But you'll know you all know you just have to be brave enough to answer that that call wow so and then you mentioned you know so yes i was a failure so like how it just in general so that's a large scale mm-hmm. fail that's a hey my entire life path so far is not going to work out i got to switch gears but like what about just failure just a day to day you go to a show you you have a big big problem and you you fail you you, you forget your dressage test or you blow it in your whatever it might be. Um, how, how do people deal with that? How, do, how how can you put that behind you and not let that affect you next time you go out there into competition? Well, how people typically deal with it is they say, wow, this means something about me. I didn't remember my dressage test because I'm an idiot and I didn't prepare enough. And this is a direct reflection of me and who I am and what I'm capable of doing. And now I have all this shame and embarrassment and unworthiness. And I definitely shouldn't be able to, to compete against, you know, these people that I'm idolizing. And, and now you're just confirming this story that, you know, you're not good enough. So how, how you, on the flip of that, a better, more graceful way of dealing with that is knowing that the the truth of who you are and what you do are not the same things. And on your way to greatness, you're going to fail. And your ability to hold it all, the successes, the failures, the hard emotions, the positive emotions, your ability to feel the full spectrum is a direct relationship with how successful you're going to be. If you're only willing to feel a little bit of failure, then you're only going to have a little bit of success. If you're willing to feel a lot of failure, you're going to have a lot of success. You're opening up your aperture for what you're capable of holding. And speaking from the nervous system perspective, you're changing your relationship to fear. You're saying it's okay. Actually, body, it's okay when this happens, when I get an error on my test, when I have a run out, when I fall out of jump, you know, and you restory that to this is a part of it. And let me take the feedback and move forward. Then your body starts to learn, oh, we're okay. It starts to be able to hold for, for more pressure. It starts to hold for more criticism, for more feedback. When you're getting stuck in the loop of this means everything about me, your body's going to perceive these situations of threats 
and your nervous system is going to go on high alert. It's going to get dysregulated and it's actually going to cause more of these problems because you're dysregulated and you're not able to stay present and grounded. So your ability, in short, your ability to brace it all is how you deal with failures and setbacks. Man, yeah. well, we had a, when I was in the Marines, we had a saying: it was em- "Embrace the suck." <laughs> and it was, you know, embrace that all that all that hardship. You had to just embrace it yeah. to to get through it, and then be able to just move past. I just never thought about it on the mental. Like it's very. I get nervous. I mean, I I even personally am like I could never do what eventers do because I could not remember a test. I know I forget <laughs> it, like, and and I know, and I think of myself as a pretty mentally strong person. However. I just don't think I'm capable. You would be able to do it. I don't know. I just don't think I would. But I get it. Like, you know, and and, and to do the sport, you have to. I know what makes a sport tough. And maybe you could tell me if if I'm like your surfing person you're coaching. You know, there there there's like in our sport, essentially, once you're going novice or even beginner novice, you're competing against professionals. Yeah. So you could be a weekend warrior and you're on a, a leaderboard against someone who rides 10 horses a day potentially and does it for a living. And you're uh, a high school student or, 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 or a, a bank teller or, or whatever, everything in between a housewife or a house husband or, or whatever, like that's gotta be tough too. Cause you're judging yourself on a leaderboard against other professional people who do it for a living and, and, and everything like your failure is like, wow, am I ever going to be able to compete? You know? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And again, it brings this sense of unworthiness and this like, wow, they're here there. And we, this is how the mind works too. We project our greatness onto them. Like they can do it because there's something inherently different about them. And that's such a deep misunderstanding. They can do it because they've changed their relationship with fear because they've really been able to train themselves on how to embrace it all um, is why they're so successful. There's nothing inherently different about Boyd than there is you. Um, He just, he's learned how to work with his biology and his psychology and you can do the same. I'm way more handsome too. (laughs) Karen told me. Karen told me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like you have your people like your your Dan Kreidel, who's an amateur right now, and he's knocking out of the park. You have your Frankie Terry mm-hmm. Stutes, who's a, a technically an amateur, and she you know has had great success. So I mean, I guess it's possible, and I guess it, like you say, whether you're a professional or an amateur, it's a matter of your relationship with it and being able to conquer it. So as far as like uh, you know, so now someone's out there and 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 they're going. Do you, do you have dealings with people that have like, and this is even like good, you know, I love like. I, I don't know. I'd love, I love this type of stuff. Like whether it be starting this podcast or being an eventer and going out there and saying, I'm going to do my first FEI or, or, or my 10th or whatever, like imposter syndrome, people that feel like maybe they're not worthy of that. Like how is that common? I know like even like starting this podcast, like who's going to listen to this? You know, we're starting right. something, you know, you're, and whether it be something like what we do or whether you're riding, it's so intimate. You're personally invested it's your heart and soul is is on full display, whether it's your riding, your dressage test, or your show jumping. All eyes are on you, and it's it's it, it, imposter syndrome is a real thing. And I didn't know if that's real for the riding side too, and if you ever have to deal with that with your athletes. Oh yeah, imposter syndrome is crippling for every athlete because 
again, we have this, um, this misunderstanding that what we do is who we are. And we have this misunderstanding that people's perception of us means something about us. It means nothing about us. So when you're working with imposter syndrome, really there's, there's a framework around imposter syndrome. And it's one, it's this, this part of your ego, this conditioning that says, I'm not okay unless they think I'm good, or I'm not okay unless I'm winning, or if I do win something embarrassing, that's shameful, right? Your ego is really trying to protect you, trying to save you from, from feeling all of this rejection and shame that you're thinking somebody is going to project onto you. So one way of doing that is upgrading their ego, catching it up, like integrating their ego, making them realize that they actually are okay. People can think and believe whatever they want to. And it's up to you to how you want to relate to failures and setbacks. And then there's a bigger scope of moving beyond that because there's a deeper part of you that doesn't care about any of it. And that is always okay and always willing to play the game and is not worried about what Sally Joe on the side of the ring is, is thinking about them. You know, there's a sense of deep okayness within them that says I'm here and I can do this and whatever the result is, I'm okay. And that's kind of like the highest level of, of okayness and what we're all kind of striving for. Because when you have that, when you're not worried about what other people are thinking and perceiving of you, when you're not living in that fear, when you're not trying to avoid that rejection or that disapproval, you're really able to show up your whole self, your whole authentic self and the full spectrum of things. And that's, that's ultimate freedom. Wow. See, I love it. Kim. I love this stuff. <laughs> so I, I, I can't wait to listen back to this because, you know, I, I know, I know, I know I'll, I'll hear more mm-hmm. even when I listen back. So I hope people listen or, or listen back. Cause I, I know I, uh, I, I love this stuff. I, you know, what's funny is I love, I love the performance mindset stuff, but I don't, I'm not like a mantra guy. I'm not a, um, I'm not, I'm not that type of person. Like I'm a, I'm not a, uh, I don't know. I just focus on moving forward. I don't dwell. I don't try to get inside my own head. Like, is it unhealthy that I kind of like, <laughs> I try to like, I try to be a little dead inside a little bit when it comes to like, I, and what I mean by that is imposter syndrome. We start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Who like when we start this podcast, our show is about the guests. We have professionals on, right? We've all that's the way it's been from the beginning. That hey, we're 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 just fans. We love the sport, and we have our guests are the experts in whatever we're talking about that day. And I guess in a way that helped me uh, not to feel like an imposter because I'm being very authentic. That's that's who I am. I'm a fan, and and uh, but at the same time, I also have to kind of be dead inside to say, you know, there's going to be. Uh, a, a, a two-star review on Apple podcasts and it hurts. So the only thing you do, I, I, I just have to like kind of deaden myself. Is that unhealthy or is that okay? He gets very upset when we have a two-star review. I don't, just, well, <laughs> just shout out to five-star reviewers out there. But, but uh, is that, is that a bad approach or is that like setting me up to crash and burn later on? If I take this kind of like, I have to deaden my, emotions because i wear my heart on my sleeve i have a very emotional person yes you're talking about the guy that cried at eight seconds movie are you open to some coaching (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Before we started, I said, whatever you do, she's going to psychoanalyze See? me. And I she's can't mental take it. notes going said, on right she now. She said she can turn it off. And I said, I know you can't turn this off. Just kidding. But is that wrong to be... Is it, it's, it problematic. Just, <laughs> it's problematic. And I'll do it. And I think it's the way most people go about doing it. And they get, but there is some gold in what you're saying. And I'll and I'll get there. There is some gold in it. And and I think maybe we could just reframe it just a little bit. But I think most people go around life being like this, and I'm making like a small window with my hand. Like this is what I'm willing to feel. That I'm not really willing to feel this low, low. And then, and but on the same spectrum, right? Because it's a pendulum, then I'm really, I'm not going to feel this high of high, right? Yeah. I'm just going to stay in this little box right here. And so what you're doing is you're just putting a box, an upper limit on your life when you're not willing to embrace it all. Now, I'm not suggesting that you get a two-star review and you cry for hours. No. <laughs> But there, How dare you, Karen? <laughs> Karen's making faces. That's hurtful. And you know, and I, here I am thinking, I'm you're 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 basically saying what you said a minute ago, and I completely like you said everything, and then I said I shut it down. But you said you have to embrace the suck. You have to embrace, and I and I'm not embracing it. I need to embrace the two star reviewer a little more. Well, here's what here's what people can do. Okay, so let's say you get a two star review. Let's say someone gets a really bad score in dressage, right? You're not supposed to just be like, oh, that dressage judge is fill in the blank, right? We won't go there. And it would be not right for you to say, oh, well, that just that reviewer, they just are a fill in the blank, right? You want to be able to say, gosh, how does this feel in me to get that? You know, and maybe as a writer, that feels disappointing. That feels like sad. I feel maybe embarrassed. Maybe there's somebody watching it that feels that, that made you feel embarrassed that they see that. And, you know, maybe you're feeling the same way and you really just get a hint of, of that. And, you know, we could talk about how then you process emotion and you feel emotion and you just realize that it doesn't mean anything about you. You can feel sad. Like, just like I can feel like my writing career was a failure. It doesn't like... I can say that really quite easily because it's the truth. I'm not arguing with reality. And I can also look at it and take the feedback. So like with the dressage, if you're just blaming it on the judge, you're not willing to look at it and see, well, you're missing the pot of gold that actually could be there. Maybe your horse really isn't connected properly. Maybe you really aren't riding a good dressage test, you know, and you need that feedback. And if you're not willing to feel it, then you're also not willing to get better. And, and so you just take that feedback, you process the emotion and then you get back and then you don't make it mean anything about you. It's not that you can't do dressage. You absolutely can. You take the feedback, you, and you bravely move forward. Just like with you, you can, it can hurt. You know, you put a lot into this. It can hurt that somebody leaves a two-star review and then you can see what you're making it mean about you. And that's when, you know, a coach or therapist would be helpful. You integrate that and you move on and then you're more able to also feel successful and feel like you're doing a good job. You can embrace it all. Embrace it all. What? Tell me what's wrong with Karen. What's Karen crazy? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I took, I, I, <laughs> that's my deflection mechanism. <laughs> we don't get to make two star reviews, no, I, but, but no, I, I, that's but, just an example. Yeah. That's just, I'm very, very well adjusted. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Natalie's laughing. 
I'm totally putting this on for the show. I'm completely normal. You're being barbaric. I'm barbaric. Oh, I was <laughs> barbaric. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't fair. That wasn't nice. But um, anyhow, see, Karen, you bring up you bring up hurtful stuff. Just kidding. <gasps> That's a joke. <laughs> Natalie's enjoying this. Oh gosh. Uh, so 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 this is really cool because what I think is neat and like any coach. And I, I, we can go on and on and on, but I don't, I don't want to. Let we, we should move on a little bit. But what I think is very cool, Natalie, and getting you on, and we've had other, uh, you know, different types of yeah, different types of coaches, different types yeah. of coaches on. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I mean, you definitely have a different style than what some other people that have been on the show, and I'm sure there's overlap in some areas and others where you're totally different, and and possibly even. In principle, you know, you're, you 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 might even disagree in certain ways to handle things. But what's interesting is, like any coach, whether it be a writing coach or your math teacher, people have different ways. Everyone needs help in their own way. Everyone learns in their own way. So whether it be dealing with their whatever their hiccup is, you know, and I, I really like you know what the way you're uh, you approach things. I think that's neat. Can you explain to me when you said it's um. Oh, I, I uh, like clinical psychology. And then you're saying like you deal with like, do you say neurological? Was it neurological? Your nervous system. Nervous system. Yeah. Could you explain, could, could you explain how the nervous, I don't, I, I know this is only so long of a show, but I'm curious what the nervous system means. Cause I don't know if I have the, the a correct understanding of what that means perhaps. Well, let me, I'll break it down for what is important for us, right? There's, I'll break it down for what's important to us. Your nervous system is developed in the womb and it's there to perceive without your conscious awareness, threats or safety, right? Are you okay or am I not okay? Do I need to survive or can I work on things of thriving, um, and so there's three different levels built off of our evolution. There's this one, this lower part of your nervous system, and it's called the dorsal part of your nervous system. And the way it protects you is it shuts you down. So I'm sure there's a time where in your life where, gosh, this life got really heavy and it was hard to even kind of get up. And the way you protected yourself was you kind of went inward like a turtle. You kind of went in your shell. Maybe you stayed in bed. Maybe you stayed at home for a little bit. It was just, it was hard. It was a hard time. Life was feeling kind of hopeless and helpless. And we can dip into all three stages. It doesn't mean we stay in one. And then there's this sympathetic part of your nervous system that I'm sure you've heard of. It's this fight or flight. It's, and you can think of a shark. It's, it's, it sees it needs to protect and it's going to attack or it's going to run away right? And then there's this upper part of your nervous system that's that's developed from birth until a little bit before birth until you're two years old. And this part is really wired for the connection, for the thriving. And so on a really basic level, your body is picking up either cues of protection that will put you in the sympathetic or in the dorsal, or it's picking up cues of safety, which will put you in the higher part of your nervous system of connection. And and that higher part of your nervous system is where you're really present, where curiosity is there, when you can handle feedback and um, not take it personally. And um, you can go in and really hold the, the, the amount of pressure that these riders are under. But if you go in and your nervous system kicks 
picks up more cues of danger, you're going to go into this fight or flight. You're going to get really dysregulated. Your your heart rate's going to go up. You're not going to be able to stay as present. And then your mind is going to create a story about that. So it's that's going to be like, wow, this is dangerous. I can't do this. So let's say you're going into cross country and your mind, maybe last time it didn't go so well. So your nervous system prior to your conscious thought is going to start picking up cues of danger. And you're all of a sudden going to have a, a story. I can't do this. I can't do this. And that's prior to even your thought. It wasn't like you came to cross country thinking that, but it can happen. And so you want to really be able to work within your nervous system, know your triggers, know when you're slipping into these lower states of your nervous system, know how to bring it back. So then the thoughts automatically change to this is hard, but I can do hard things like automatically. Cause this is, I love that you said, you don't like affirmations. Affirmations don't work. Affirmations are so silly. They are just words. Unless your nervous system can believe that, unless there's a physiological response that equals what you're saying. If you're if you're in fight or flight and you say, this is hard, but I can do it, your body's like, wow, you're a liar. <laughs> that means nothing, you know? Um, so you want to be able to know how to navigate your nervous system, how to take it when it gets in these stages of protection and move it back up into to the stage of connection. Wow. I love it. This is solid. And I see that. I and, I, and I don't want to go off too far on a tangent, but like the, like <clears throat> there's someone on social media right now, they're going through like a hard time. They're like a public influencer type person. And they're like on Instagram doing like affirmations. I am worthy and all this stuff. Like, you know, like you could tell they're struggling and you could tell they totally don't believe it. And they're trying to say it and trying to convince themselves. But like you say, and like I'm watching this, I'm going, I, they're not believing their own BS here. Like, you know, and, and you feel bad for them. You, you wish you could help them, but I mean, they're, they're on social media imploding. It's sad, but um, you know, there's nothing I can do, you know, but I'm sure you see that all the time. People going nuts. and you're like, Oh my God. I need to help these people. Yeah, I see it all the time, but I love doing this. So I do it all the time. I mean, like I'm on a flight, I'm coaching someone, I'm at a restaurant, I'm coaching someone, I'm on a walk on the beach, I'm coaching someone. Yeah, I can I can spot it and I I know the the right piece now, of okay. the puzzle. I'm gonna ask you a, a question. <clears throat> and this might come across wrong, but if you answer it the correct way, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> God bless you, love. Thank you. Do you see some psychologists, sports psychologists or otherwise, public ones, you know, ones that you see, whether it be working with athletes or on television, whatever, that you say they're totally full of crap? Do you ever see someone like that? All the share, time. You want to share one? Uh, I'm going to ask one. All I'm going to give you one name. Can I give you one name? You tell me if it's good or not. Uh oh. Okay. If we know it, sure. If he's legit. If this isn't someone that we would know, it's not like a sports guy, but okay. Like a Tony Robbins. Is he bullcrap or is he legit? Okay. I love that you brought up Tony Robbins. He actually speaks about, without him knowing, he speaks of principles that actually make sense. But if you just went to a Tony Robbins seminar, 
would it change your life? I couldn't guarantee that. But like he speaks of like, he says, change your state. And I don't think he's an expert in the nervous system. I don't think he knows exact. I think he knows you got to move energy to change the story. And I don't think he knows the mechanism or how, but he's on to something. You do. You have to change your state. You have to change your nervous system state to get a different story. How well he knows that. I don't know, but I do hear other things of him of, of being able to embrace it all, um, which is, which is really, really important. What I really, what I really stay away from and what a lot of, because a lot of my clients have seen so many sports psychologists have seen, been in years of therapy, nothing is really moving the needle. And that, that concerns me. And a lot of rhetoric that happens with athletes is they say, do it for someone else. Like when these athletes are getting burnt out and they're like, I can't handle the pressure. They're like, do it for someone else. And I can't think of worse advice. I cannot think of worse advice to give to an athlete that's already dealing with so much over-responsibility pressure to say, take on more responsibility. What you do makes, like you're responsible for other people's happiness. I cannot think of a worse thing to say to someone it's like i smoked i smoked and i could not i could not quit until i quit for me like it had nothing to do with being around for my kids or mm-hmm. as much as i love them and want to be i couldn't do it for them i had to finally say to myself like i am i'm done with this because if you do it for someone else and it's the same with problem. losing weight you have to do it for yourself right and, yeah it's and, the same with the, yeah any any type of personal change you have yeah. to do for yourself you know so i get it Absolutely. Cause you're just giving your power away to something else. And then, and then wonder if, you know, that owner leaves or wonder if, you know, I mean, I know she wouldn't, but wonder if your wife leaves. And no, now she would never leave. Like, she would never. You know? <laughs> She's like 50, 50% of marriages end in divorce. She, I don't care. Would never. <laughs> She's giving them, if we had this, if we were videoing this, that'd be very funny. <laughs> No. But you have to take responsibility for yourself, for yourself. Right. And, and that's it. If you're, if you're being over responsible or you're thinking that I'm going to be happy when they're happy, big problems there. Gotcha. Okay. Moving on, Karen. So I think, I think what we have here is we have a good basis of what you do mm-hmm. and you, the mindset. You're, do you want to have any other shrinks that you want to call out that are total crapola stay away from i think i think we've said i think anybody that just wants to talk to you dr phil stay away from that anyone that just says to to affirm yourself stay away from that um so yeah i think those are those are some red flags if they're just talking to you if you're not actually integrating or weaving in your nervous system it's not going to change your life and if they're just giving you affirmations, not going to change your life. You can say affirmations till you're blue in the face and you will still get the same results. Gotcha. Hey, how did you go? How did you, were you, are you, was this, was this a direction you already knew you wanted to go? Or were you fortunate enough that you went to a school that this is the way they taught psychology? Can you explain that? Like what, if there's these different kind of schools of thought, 
is that just the, the course of, is that just the direction you personally took when you were training or how does that work? Is there a different, um, if someone's, uh, 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 if let's say, obviously we're going to, people should give you a ring and we're going to give out how people get a hold of you, obviously. However, if someone's talking to someone else, if they're already working with somebody, how do they, how, besides the, those, those kind of points, but like, do you have a different, uh, type of degree or a different, okay. Absolutely. Okay. So this is what I want you looking at when you're with a therapist. If they do not, you need to have somebody that's polyvagal informed trauma, which these might overlap, but polyvagal informed. That's, that's the theory of the nervous system. You need someone who is trauma informed and you need someone who does somatic work. If you don't have these things, if they are just CBT or some variation of BT, B is behavioral therapy, which means we're going to change something so we change your behavior or the the entry point is just behavior. You're missing the full spectrum. You're missing our mechanism, right, that, that we need to run with. So if you're working with a therapist or coach, make sure that they're polyvagal informed trauma-informed and have training in somatics. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. I said shrink. Karen's half me. Karen said that was not nice. I apologize. Old old word. Bad news. Therapist, I apologize. I hope that wasn't hurtful. Oh my gosh. Not offended at all. And I used to have a funny thing that I would say, I'm not your shrink, I'm your stretch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic. That's a good one. Not offended though. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, you're answering these questions. Fantastic. I really appreciate it. Cause I, 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 I'm, tr- I, I just like to understand what I'm hearing. And that's why I just ask. sometimes I go deep. And what I'm saying is hard to understand. It's hard to conceptualize. So it's like, and then you try to make it, it's really experiential, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. So I have to embrace it all. Like, how do I breathe? Right. How? Yeah. And the how is the hard part. The how is the experiential. So if basically this is another red flag, if you're with a therapist or a sports psychologist or a coach, and they're just kind of talking to you, red flag, you need to be experiencing something. You need to be going on like this. (laughs) I have a client that calls it a quest. You need to be going, you need to be experiencing something. They need to be taking you back, visualizing when you were under that amount of pressure, integrating it in some way. If you're just talking about it and they're just giving you more homework to go and talk and to think, red flag. And so sometimes when, you know, we do these podcasts or interviews, it's really hard because it's hard to, conceptualize what actually needs to have happen. And it's going to be different for every person that you deal with and everyone's, well, I mean, as far as some people are going to be like, I mean, Karen and I couldn't be more 180 degree up different type of people. Yeah. Like we're definitely yin and yang. So, uh, you know, so I would imagine that our, the help that Karen needs is going to be way different than the help (laughs) I would need. Yeah, it is. People are different and our experiences and our makeup and uh, how we experienced and perceived the world is going to be different. And that's really what you want to look at. You want to, it's not so much what happened to you. It's the meaning around, it's the, what you made it mean. Uh, That's important. We need to restory that. 
because the meaning you made is based off of your history, past pain, your parents, and really what happened to you is neutral. The world doesn't say good or bad. Nature doesn't say good or bad. What happens to you is neutral. It's only your mind that says that it's not neutral. So like you go and you fall off cross country. Obviously that's not preferred, but it's not, it's not this horrible negative thing. It is what it is. And we need to take the feedback and we need to move on. But if we're making stories like I fell off, I'm the worst. I don't deserve this horse. I don't deserve my coach. You know, if you're making all this meaning, I'm embarrassed to do this again. We got to look at that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. So, okay. So uh, you're doing it. You're, you're amazing. You're, this is really awesome stuff. The, um, as far as how you coach, do you do, so when you, you had mentioned that you basically do most everything remote, unless they're surfers in Costa Rica, (laughs) do you, uh, how do people work with you? Like, well, how do you work? Do you do, um, do you ever do clinics or anything like that? Or is everything one-on-one? Is everything online? Do you go to shows if someone's like got a big five-star coming up? Like, can you tell us all the different things that you do? Yeah. So I love in-person work. I mean, in-person is more powerful. It really is. And to be at a big show with a client is such a privilege. I love doing it. One, because I really understand the pressure and I really understand what it's like to be to be there. And I know what they're going through. And like, I, you know, I can clean tack. I can install. I can, I can do, I can jog a horse for you. You know, I'm multidimensional. Um, but being at an event with a client is one of my favorite things to do. It's, I love it. And like last year I went down and did, um, a couple of days with a group of clients that I have in Florida. That was super fun. We, we did a lot of workshops and and different things. And I actually, um, am going to go to Florida this year to help because I have this one client and then I have all of her clients. She's a coach. She, she t- coaches in eventing and I have all of her clients. And sometimes how she's coaching them really isn't working for their nervous system. And, and it's actually really causing a negative effect. Like tone of voice matters. Pace of what you speak, how much you say at one time matters to our nervous system. So I came up with this idea. I want to come down and help you work within their nervous, work within your athlete's nervous system so that the lessons are more protect, uh, productive, cross-country schoolings are more productive, warm-ups. I mean, I really could change the way coaches warm up their athletes for warm-ups. And I want to do that too. Um, that I haven't done, but yeah, that's in the work for this winter. Um, but how I work with people is change is not a one-off session. Like you wouldn't go to your coach with eventing and take one dressage lesson. It, that's not how change works. It's not how the neurology of our brain works. It's not how our nervous system works. So I work with people in containers and we choose that. We I either do four months or six months and normally people keep up the container, but it's very different than therapy. We talk in between sessions. We talk via voice notes. So they say, oh, I just had a bad ride. This was what's happening in my mind. This is where my nervous system went. And then I'll give them real-time feedback of, okay, this is what I need you to do to like regulate your nervous system. This is, let's restory that thought. And so it's not just, okay, we see each other once and then a week goes by and we see each other again. That's not how change happens. It needs to be in your brain. You need to be thinking about the world and everything differently if you really want to transform. So the package is, a set amount of time we meet weekly and we also do one week of like nervous system integration and we talk via voice notes throughout it all. And I love coming to competitions. That's one of my 
favorite things because it's like real time integrating, you know, this, this pressure into your nervous system. And if I can't be there, I normally still do like a video call or something on cross country day on big days. And, um, that seems to be really helpful. And then also I have a group program that's starting. That's, that's, I'm hoping that it's going to retrain people's nervous systems. So that's another way. A group program as in everyone works, like it's a workshop together. Yeah. Well, it's a program for like three and a half months. Um, and they learn everything I know about the nervous system. Um, and then also how to, uh, retrain and reshape and befriend the nervous system in real time. And then everything I know about the subconscious, which I just, you know, we operate from 95% of the time and how we can upgrade it and reprogramming it. And then we integrate that. And then, so hopefully by the time that they finish it, they have a new nervous system, not a new nervous system, but a really, uh, regulated nervous system and information and tools on how to, um, keep upgrading and transforming what they want. I think that there's a couple of things. Number one is you talked about coaching coaches, which I think is really yeah, amazing. Is, yeah, that is that, really that's super yes. super cool because I think Very that there's well, I th- we've talked about that before on the show where there the, you know we're riding coaches <clears throat> a lot of times we're people that know how to do things, but you know your life is consumed by hopping on horses and riding. And a lot of times you coach as a composite of how you were coached your whole life and who you are and. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the words matter and the way you put words out. And I, I am guilty of this. I have a I have a way of speaking. Karen could probably nod to this. I have a way of speaking where I can come across very uh I don't know if it's judgy or what. And I know better, but I can come across not the way I intend. I don't come across well. So I can see where I could use coaching or or you know, in general. You know, so I think that's fantastic. And the fact that you and I, this is something where I get, I do believe in verbalizing things, saying things out loud and they, it, it somehow it comes back to you. But like where you said, you haven't done it yet, but that's coming. I believe in that. And I think that maybe someday I want, I, like, I don't know if the ICP program has that type of thing, but like we need, yeah. The, if it isn't, it needs to be in there, how to talk to people correct and, and get it going. So most of the work that I do with my upper level rider, riders of all, levels really is really working with the trauma that their coaches caused. I mean, coaches are out there causing a lot of trauma. I mean, I love all, all the people that I work with really. I truly do. I can't say hardly anything bad about any of them, but there was some traumatic warmups <laughs> for sure. And when I hear, when I hear the stories from my clients and, um, you know, they're not doing it from malintent. They they want to be good at what they do. Nobody's teaching us how to do these things. And I just happen to know how to work with this system that's dictating everything. You know, coaches want their, their students to go and to win. And sometimes the way they're going about doing it is really counterproductive. So I can come in and change that and really change the way we're warming up our athletes, the way we're speaking to them. I think it can have a huge impact on the level of success that they see in their themselves and their students. Yeah. Well, if you're going around uh, your dressage test or your show jumping test or your whatever cross country, like, you, you know, if your coach is whatever's that voice in your head, uh, whatever's most prominent it might be the last voice you heard, or it might be that coach that you had for 10 years, that was mean, 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 yeah. you know, well, that, you know, that, 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 that could make or break, 
you know, how you perform just in, in life, just overall, we all have, we all have, I know I have people in my life that coached me over the years that that voice is still in my head in certain instances, you know, and, and that might be, if it's the wrong voice, if it's, if it's the negative that isn't going to make me do the best, that's something we have to fix. You know, it might be, if I had a great coach, then I might be great at whatever that little voice in my head is. But, um, I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Well, let's even break this down. Let's because because a lot of this is not grounded. So let this is a real opportunity to ground this. <laughs> so let's say you're warming up for a big event, whatever that is for you. It's a big event, and you're in dressage, and there's a crowd. Maybe there's cameras. You know, already your nervous system is gonna start start moving down the ladder. You know, it's going to start perceiving some threats. And if your coach comes in there and she's talking like this and she's going like this and the, and the cadence is really high, your nervous system is going to automatically pick up more cues of danger. So now your nervous system has less opportunity to hold for pressure, to hold for remembering your test, for being as present as you can, because you can only be present up in this upper stage of your nervous system. So if your coach is, she could be saying all the right things. She could be, this looks awesome. (laughs) But your nervous system is going to be like, and it's going to take you away from the ability, no matter where, no matter how much mindset coaching you did with me or how much, you know, your, your thoughts are going to start trying to make sense of what's happening in your body, which your body is going to say, wow, there is some cues of danger in here. We got to get out of here. This is not safe for you to be here. Versus if you had a coach that came in, was like, this is what we're going to focus on. Here we go. Your nervous system is going to be like, all right, we got this. We can do this. And all of a sudden you're naturally more present. You're naturally having more uh, helpful thoughts. You're naturally more engaged and present, right? That's the difference. Wow. Mm. I love it. Listen, this is real tangible, good stuff yeah. we're getting here today, Karen. Golden. I love it. This is golden. Gold. <laughs> this is going to get a gold star on this <laughs> So we're definitely, uh, so um, let's take it down. Let's lighten it up a little bit, All Karen. Right. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Now we got everyone peaked. They got to know how they get a hold of you. But wait, you got to wait. Got to wait. Got to wait. We got to, the suspense is going to be killing people. <laughs> so Karen, take but, it away. But first- we're going to play quick fire questions. We got to do quick fire questions. We have to. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> and quick fire questions is brought to you by turtleneck. Keep your horse dry with the rain turtle by going to turtleneck.biz. Oh yeah. So it's just a couple questions. You don't have to be quick. Um, there's going to be a couple questions about riding and then a couple other personal questions. So personal. Yes. And to add to get you elevated a little bit. Get your nervous system elevated. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> and a clock in the background. <laughs> All right. Your favorite rider growing up? Mm. <laughs> this is going to seem... Hannah. Hannah Supernet. Excellent answer. Excellent, Excellent answer. All right. Uh, what is one favorite piece of piece of advice you were given in writing it could be writing or just life in general hmm i've had lots of good advice um i would say 
Ooh, sorry. I have like my brain is going like a mile a minute. For some reason, Michael's popping to mind. And we used to joke, but he used to always say, um, do less better. And, you know, that, <laughs> that, as you can imagine, as an inventor who's just trying to do more, 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 more all the time, that was infuriating. Um, but now that I'm a little wiser, a little bit more regulated, I actually, I repeat that a lot, like less, less, but better. Wow. And that's yeah. Michael Pollard. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. What is one thing about yourself that most people don't know? I'm shy. No. Uh, no. Say it ain't so. Come on. Uh, uh, yeah, I can actually get a little a little shy. And I don't think anyone in my life would would say that or perceive that. But yeah, I get a little shy. Just like me. I'm shy yeah, too. damn. Yeah. <laughs> I am shy. I just yeah. push through. Yeah. You I, just embrace it all. I embrace it. I just suck. I just push those emotions away and I tuck them away and <laughs> so you stay you stay put emotions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Uh, <laughs> it makes me teary. Um, Michael Pollard had a horse called Jude's Law. Most incredible thing I've ever sat on in my entire life. Um, I can still remember that even just doing a trot set on that horse was like one of the best feelings ever. And if you were lucky enough to do its gallop or its flat work that day or, or whatever, I mean, like I honestly, those are some of my most memorable rides are doing that horse's fitness work. That horse was absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, well, yeah. That was uh, excellent, Karen. Excellent. Gold star, A++. And applause. <laughs> the fans go wild. <laughs> excellent job. You, uh, the, um, you were with Michael, and you talked a little bit about it on that other podcast. You were with Michael when he had the, the tragic tra trailer accident, and you had some tragedy and all with horses. So um, we don't have to get all into that, but I know that uh, you know, you're know you with Michael as he kind of transitioned out of doing yeah. this full-time too. So. Um, kind of, you've been there, you've lived it. You have not had a perfect, you know, thing. So anyone that anyone can bring to you would definitely, you, you can relate to so much of what everyone's dealing with. So I think that's, what's very uh, important for people to know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really helpful. Like all of my analogies and stuff are horse related. Like today when I was coaching one of my surfers, I was like, God, how do I say this? Cause all I can think about is my horse analogy that I would normally give. Um, yeah, I've been through it all the full spectrum of life, um, which is what makes life really beautiful. I mean, that the things that happened with Michael and at Michael's farm, were some of the most painful experiences of my life. And then to see that happening to somebody that I, you know, really loved and was his biggest fan and cheerleader and wanted it for him as much as anyone. You know, that was really hard. But honestly, watching Michael handle that in such grace and the way he moved through that was also just incredibly inspiring. And one of the, the things I love most about Michael is his tenacity and his ability to uh, 
just keep keep moving forward and being great in whatever he does. He doesn't just stop at being great at horses. He projects that onto everything that he does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we had him on as a guest and, and it was the, really the first time we've probably ever talked yeah, to him. It was. So impressive. Yeah. Like, what a great guy. Great businessman. I mean, like you say, he, he's definitely the type of person who's going to do, do, do less better, you know, like whatever it is, he's doing it really, really mm-hmm. high level. So. He is. He's taught me a lot in, in, in life. And he's been probably one of the most influential people because, you know, in how we work, spoiler alert for anyone that we kind of hold on a, on a pedestal, we work like movie projectors. So whatever is in us, we project outward. So if we're looking at some of our heroes and we're idolizing them, it's because there's, there's parts of them, there's traits that they have that are in us that are not um, being embraced enough. Right. And, um, but in being in relation to Michael and how much he owns and projects his greatness onto everything has really kind of helped and taught, cause I admire it so much has taught me that I really value mastery and I really value greatness. And, um, it's, I've been able to embrace my want for mastery and greatness in my life. And so that's the gift that he's really given me. Do you have any desire to get back into horses someday yourself? We joke about it. Michael just got a big farm in Rome. We joke about it. Um, It's such a beautiful sport. You know, I and I love animals. Um, And that relationship with the horse is something I miss. Yeah, of course. The lifestyle is not anything I miss. I love my life so much. And to think about giving it up for that lifestyle feels feels like a no for me. Yeah. But I do miss the horse. I do miss the horses and the relationship. And I, like I said, the human psychology likes mastery, and and this sport really uh, asks for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's sure. nice the freedom that you had to be able to travel and everything that you mm-hmm. do. <clears throat> That's kind of hard to do the horse thing. You know, we have a friend. She was an adult amateur, middle aged woman, mother, and. She was riding like low level hunters and then then low level eventing. And, you know, she wanted to do all the things and she didn't have aspirations of doing anything high, high level, but she just wanted to be successful. And she kind of, you know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And she kept kind of just would have setback after setback. And then she would try to do like a fun, you know, you know, Go just on a trail, right? Fun, fun show. Yeah. yeah, but like, like, like it might be like the the the, the games, like keyholes or something. Who knows? Just yeah, who knows? whatever. But it seemed like anytime she competed, she had trouble, and the horse kind of gave her fits. And then we were talking. It was kind of like we were saying, "Geez, you know, if she just didn't, she loves the horses. Why can't she just do it for fun? Why can't she just trail ride and enjoy being with her horse? And we never, it wasn't because of us, but this is what we were thinking. And she mm-hmm. ultimately did that. And now she's like happy as can be because she gave up the whole desire to even compete, even if it was just at elementary and be successful. Like, um, yeah, she's happy. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. And I don't want anyone giving up on their dreams. Like it, like if it was really in her alignment to like, you know, win at this low level or whatever, like I am, I am here to help you. And, and what I really hear is when she got to shows, like what my coaching mind is like, Oh, when she got to shows, her nervous system started to pick up more threats than safety. And the horse started 
feeling that and they react to it. And so for me, if that was my client, I would be really working with her on how to integrate this amount of pressure and how for her to stay in that top putter for nervous system while competing. But this is, this is what we're talking about. It's like, there's a, such a fine line between, is it like your ego saying you have to do this to prove and validate your passion, you know, or is this a, in your true alignment that you want to be competing and, and riding. And that is something that, you know, I help a lot of people figure out and it's, but it is, it's this, it's this fine line to know if it's just for the need to validate all the effort that you're putting in, or if that's really truly in your highest alignment to want to compete. You know, in retrospect, this person I'm thinking about, her coach was a bit of a barker. Yeah. And I don't know. I think we just figured it all out. Yeah. I think we just, we just diagnosed the whole situation. There we go. Look at that. Bam. To be honest, even looking at my career, I'm a super competitive person. And I, before horses, I mean, if I, if there was a competition to do, I was winning the competition. Like it, I would stop at nothing to win that. And even like in surfing, you know, I'm not trying to be on the world tour, but I'm, I'm getting after it. You know, I'm, I'm competitive. If I'm in the lineup, I'm taking the wave. Like I'm going no matter what I'm really competitive. But when I think back to my, my career, and if I could have been there coaching me, I know my whole competitive career would have been completely different because I just know that when I got there, my nervous system was so hijacked. And then I had all these stories of, not being good enough and not being worthy to be there. And I know if I just had a coach that could have helped me with my nervous system and the way it would have been in my alignment to compete. Like I love the horses and I love training, but I'm a competitor. Like I like to be masterful. I like to compete. And I just really needed someone who knew how to help me do that. Wow. There we go. Dang. Have you seen, I mean, obviously have you, have you, uh, with the coaching that you've done with like quick questions, have you seen like, have you seen some measurable results with some of your clients that you've seen? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've, I, I've seen, and I'm not taking credit for this, but I've seen some of my clients, their life looks a 180 difference, like just completely different and how they feel in their life is completely different. One of the the remarks I get a lot is like, everything's different, but nothing's different. Like life is still, you know, I'm still doing the, I'm still a competitor. I'm still doing this, but how I feel and how I'm relating to everything is completely different. And um, yeah. Now that makes total sense to me that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's, I totally believe in it's the way you perceive what's around you as you know, if, if you know, it's it's the, there. There was the story of um, the the oh, I forget exactly how it went, but it was basically mom and dad drive the car, and mom's driving the car one day, and and the little kids in the back seat and says, "Hey, mom, where where's all the jerks on the road?" And she says, "Oh, they only come out when your dad's driving, you know, because dad's driving. Oh, that guy's a jerk, beeping a horn, you know." <laughs> but the perception is this guy cut me off, or. No, this person's trying to get over into the turn lane and they, you know, wasn't intentional. It wasn't a cutoff. It was a lane change, you know, but it's the perception of what's, what's around you. And your nervous system is giving you the privilege to have that better perspective. And so most people would come in and be like, well, let's change your thoughts about this. Let's do this. 
And while that can be helpful, it's better to go in and fix the mechanism that's creating the thoughts and the behaviors and the the perception. Gotcha. You're literally changing your, it's like you're looking at the world of, of one lens and we are putting on a different lens. Like even, this is a good way to ground this. In the beginning, I always ask my clients, the world is blank and I am blank. And it'll be like, the world is scary and I am small. Or like the world is competitive and I'm not good enough. It'll be like these real, you know, heavy remarks. And then it'll, then once we work together and it can even be in one session, you know, you can change your nervous system like that. It can be like the world is a game and I'm playing, you know, or like the world is peaceful and I'm in it. It can change just like that. And that's, that's the difference of regulation and dysregulation. Put your rose cutter glasses on. Yeah, exactly. See, I've learned it every good Let's put those on, Let's, <laughs> but not in a Pollyannish way. In a real, not in a way of like just think positive because that's not going to get you anywhere either. Like you don't choose your thoughts. So for somebody to be like, oh, just think positively about that. Well, that is ignoring this entire mechanism. Like we don't choose our thoughts. We don't. We don't create them. That's like telling a horse to stop pooping. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> we can change that. What we do is we go in and change the intestines to, to do that. No, but we go in and change the mechanisms that's producing that. Gotcha. See, I love it. I, I love, I, I appreciate the fact that I appreciate everything you're saying in a way that even when, and when I'm close, but not quite there, you still like, you, you, you know, you, you're helping to drill it down. You're, you're making it make more. Every time we talk, every, every time you, you, you speak, you, you make it more understandable, palatable for me to understand. And hopefully maybe people at home to understand like what you do and how you're doing it. So I get it. I, I think this is, I'm very excited that we had you on. Yeah. This is super, super fun. Aww, very informative. Very informative yeah. and very good. You do a very good job of explaining everything, especially how at the beginning of the interview, it felt so high level. So, you know, I did, I really had no idea what you do. And even I listened to a whole other podcast that you were on and I still came into it feeling like, okay, like I need to understand this. And now here I'm a slow learner. So it's been an hour and you know, whatever <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm getting there. <laughs> No. And I, I, I love, I would love to break down these concepts. They're, they're big concepts, to be honest, you know, like how the brain works, how the body works, they can be simplified, um, but they're big concepts. So it's hard to really come in 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 an hour and explain it. But what I will say is it's incredibly simple to fix. Like my, my clients always are like, what just happened? Like, in, in an hour and, and like, wow, this is so wild. And how come nobody's doing this? Because it, the concept is high level, but the actual implementation of it is quite simple. And it, the, the, the change can happen really fast. It's just, you have to know how to work within each mechanism, but it is simple to fix. I love it. You just have to do it. Very cool. All right. So do you have any piece of advice for someone having a setback with their riding due to a, like a, a, a mental block? Yeah, I would say you're not alone. You know, those people that you're idolizing and at the top of the sport, they've had so many setbacks. And this doesn't mean if you're willing to not make this any mean anything about you, then you're going to be willing to get where, where you want to go. 
this doesn't mean anything about you. You're not any less lovable. You're not any less worthy because this happened. And you get to choose how you're going to carry this. Do you want to do you want to make it mean something about you or do you want to keep going and keep trying? Wow. I love it, Karen. Gold. <laughs> this is gold. Listen, we've we've we've, we've got a we've got a, a full hour free session here. <laughs> the bill's in the mail. She fixed me. She Natalie fixed me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's gonna take she, a lot more she than she said no. She said no, I need more help. <laughs> Just, you need to sign up for the six months. Oh no! Session. I need yeah. I need the big box. I need the big box session. So, so uh, not all right, broken. So you we, don't need uh, big things. <laughs> so uh, okay. So let's just get down to it. We're finally going to give people what they really, really want, and that is how to like learn more from you. How do people find you? Contact you? Do you have a website? Contact info or or, or will you be places? Like to tell tell us uh, how people get help. I will be in Florida this winter. So doing, doing some of these clinics that we talked about and uh, in-person workshops. So I will be doing that. Um, but no, as far as finding me, yeah, I have a website and an Instagram, Natalie Hummel coaching. Um, and my website is Natalie Hummel wellness. And yeah, you can, you can reach out. There's an application on my website. You can fill it out and you'll hear back from myself or my assistant. And then we just get you in the program. Um, yeah. So right now, the best way to work with me is, is the group because I have a wait list for one-to-ones, but my wait list is opening back up in January. So, okay. That's how you know she's good. That's how you know she's good. She's got got a wait list. list. So it's nataliehummelwellness.com. Is that? Yeah. Okay. That's the website. And then the Instagram is Natalie Hummel coaching. Gotcha. So we will, we'll link up the website, the Instagram people will be able to find that. No problem. But we will link the website in the show notes. So all of our guests, we always put, um, under the, under the show notes, we put down how people can find our guests. So for anyone that listens to the show that never knew that that's where it's at. So you don't have to write it down. You can just look in the show notes and there it is. And it'll be a link, uh, depending on the player that people use. So, um, Karen, was this fantastic? This was awesome. So she never got to you. I took up the whole hour of her psychoanalyzing me. And uh, I think <laughs> I think she knows that you're in big trouble. Everyone, everyone after these interviews really has a lot more respect for Karen after they talk with me for an hour. So. so well, Natalie, thank you so much yeah, for joining this us. This was awesome. Thank, thank you for you. the work. And we just we look forward to seeing you out there in person, hopefully someday. I would love that. You guys, this was amazing. Thank you for having me on and asking questions and, you know, doing all of our part and making this sport that we love, you know, better and more accessible and uh, more enjoyable. Amen. Amen. Please like and follow Major League Eventing on Facebook and Instagram and join the Major League Eventers group on Facebook.